ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Daryl and AJ, my boys, Velvet Antler Technologies. How we doing, fellas? Doing good. Got some doing good. How are you guys? Uh, doing good. Doing great. Just busy. You know, we kind of talked about that a little bit before we hit the little red button. Um, but man, you know, you, you you go to the nine to five, and then you have these little deals you do on the side because you enjoy them, or you're trying to branch out and have side hustles and uh yeah i don't have to tell you guys how that goes um but it's great man you know just the opportunity to do what we do how we do it man and you know keep pushing it's uh it's all good so man i thought when's the last time we even talked ah let's see we did utah not last, well, not this year, but last year. And then what came out? Something came out that we did. Velva Clean. Velva Clean came out. We talked a little bit then. Um, so what's been going on with uh, with that or Velvet Antler Technology since, boys? Who wants to speak? <laughs> Go for it, Daryl. I'll let our product update. So a few things have happened. Um, I don't know if we had had the head hauler out yet when, uh, when you, when we had talked last, but, uh, we got our head hauler out and, uh, actually we're working now on a, a secondary version to carry elk, um, bigger animals, caribou, those kind of things, moose. So we'll have two versions of that. Um, we got a new product hide lock coming out that's made for warm temperatures 
essentially if you kill a deer in the back country somewhere elk what have you anywhere where it's warmer and you're afraid that hide's going to slip the hair's going to slip it's a product to spray on the actual hide itself the raw hide up in the mountains and it will keep that hide from starting the rotting process and the hair slippage that goes along with that so you can another way to preserve your trophies on the mountain wow so man that that was a fast hit on that so okay give us some background right give us give us some background on how how velvet antler technology started because for folks that haven't heard you know the other episodes and they can go back and listen but there's a little bit of mad scientist here right so it's impressive it's always been impressive to me that (laughs) the the process in which you guys develop the product, right? It is just phenomenal. And then to see the product work and to see its uses across the board, right? With with Velva Clean, um, with the Velva Lock. I haven't seen the Velva Scrub yet. I'm, I'm anticipating that. Um, but give us a little background and then we'll talk about the mad scientist and the, uh, <laughs> and the uh, combination of chemicals or whatever it is there. So, Essentially, I, this is Daryl speaking. I, I played around with this. Essentially, when I was a younger kid, I grew up in the deserts of Nevada, northern Nevada. And, you know, I was always in the archery world and always killing deer in velvet. And, and it seemed like I'd kill those deer and, you know, I didn't have the means or methods to get them to a taxidermist. So I'd have these deer, just a skull plate essentially with the antlers and I'd leave them out and they would rot away and rot away and rot away and all my velvet would fall off. And I was always thinking, gosh, there's gotta be something I can do to make this velvet stay on here. So me and my infinite wisdom started mixing concoctions of things each year after year after year. And until I got a, uh, concoction perfected, I guess you would say that keeps the velvet on the antlers and, I have, I have proof on my walls that are over 15 years old that that velvet is pristine today as the day I killed them. And I waited a long time. You know, I get that question a lot. Why, why did you wait so long to launch this thing? And, uh, I always tell people, you know, I, I see so many deer that have been either injected with formaldehyde or cured in other various ways that the, the velvet will crack over the years would fall apart and start falling apart on people and they end up scraping them off or trying to figure out how to repair them. And I, I wanted to make sure our product stood the test of time. Um, and fast forward years down the road, I had met AJ and him and I talked and we started brainstorming on how we could get this thing to market. And, and uh, we just been working hard and last, what has it been AJ eight, 10 years now? together to try to get this thing off the ground and now we're we're there and ready to get it to everybody so and then the one thing you know we talk about preserving velvet right and then that's a typically right that's a haul butt get it to your taxidermist let your taxidermist deal with however they whatever their process is and it's usually involves you know formaldehyde injections and that's pretty toxic right it's nasty stuff to deal with um Right. But on with with the VAT products, um, let's talk about the safety in those real quick so folks understand what they're dealing with here. So all of our products are safe to handle. You can spray them directly on your skin. 
it, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to cause infections, anything of that na- nature. Um, all of our products are, are all safe to handle. No PPE needed to handle them. They do have a little bit strong of a smell, but that smell is non-toxic and it's not going to hurt anybody. Um, I actually like the smell. <laughs> yeah. Some people say it's a little strong, but we like it. So I like when I, uh, when I pull the mouse down. AJ? <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, Daryl did a pretty good job of covering it. So all of our products are non-toxic in the format in which, you know, you can spray it around your child or your dog. Um, you know, Daryl and all of his infinite wisdom, as she stated earlier, <laughs> likes to show people at sportsman shows that he'll actually spray this in his mouth or he'll, you know, touch, touch it to his finger and put it in his mouth just to kind of prove the fact that it's non-toxic. These are all, you know, naturally forming organic compounds that we have worked for years and years and years to perfect. And so, you know, what's nice is, like you mentioned, Guy, formaldehyde for anyone that's used it been in the taxidermy studio where they use it or a morgue or anywhere like that you know it's extremely toxic if you've ever seen the back of a bottle the labels show all kinds of hazardous material you know ppe must be worn cancer causing so on and so forth in fact we have several taxidermists who have access to what i would call an unlimited supply of formaldehyde and once they worked with velvet antler technologies Velvelock, they will never go back to it because of the fact it doesn't burn the eyes. It doesn't burn the nose. It doesn't burn the skin. You could, you know, while it probably wouldn't feel great, you could spray it on an open wound and not worry about any type of, you know, subsequent infection or anything like to, like that to come through. And, and right, the fact that what the Velvalock is doing is far mm-hmm. superior to that of formaldehyde, and it's an on-the-mountain treatment. I mean, you're essentially taking this bottle with you. Um, yeah put it in your pack. I mean, in my scenario, right, I would have to carry it in my pack to preserve that velvet. Um, but you put it in your pack, you spray it on, and then when you bring it to your taxidermist, that part of the work is done if you apply it right. Correct. Absolutely. You know, go ahead, Edgar. No, I was just going to say, you, you know what's interesting, Dar- um, Guy and Daryl, is that, you know, when we started doing this, <laughs> When Daryl and I first hooked up in 2011 and started talking about how we could launch this to market and kind of looking at what a revolutionary product we had, we had no idea that it would hit the taxidermy world as hard as it has. Like you said, Guy, you know, this product was developed by Daryl and I as your typical DIY backcountry slash, you know, Daryl at the time was, was doing guiding for a lot of people, you know, or, you know a lot of different species at that time, but particularly deer and things in velvet. And so it really was designed for your backpack hunter. It was designed for Daryl and I to throw a bottle or two in our pack and, you know, really kind of go up on the mountain. And if we get lucky enough to stick a nice buck or a bull, it really was meant to, you know, once it's, once we've done the caping and taking care of the meat and all that fun stuff, you know, really was meant to be applied at that point. It was meant to to kind of pro- problem solve. What do we do with this velvet when we're in those, you know, August and September heat. But like I stated earlier, it's been interesting to see while we do have a very large following of backcountry hunters and DIY guys and guides and guiding services that carry our product. It's been really amazing to see how influential this product has been in the taxidermy world. You mentioned earlier guy that, you know, it speeds up the process. So in an ideal world, you get that buck or bull of a lifetime on the ground. Once you take care of the meat and do the caping, you know, kind of 
do everything you need, right? You've got a couple things you got to do. You got to take care of the meat, first of all, right? You got to get that out of the heat, try to cool that off as quick as possible. Once you cape the deer out and you flip that hair down, use hide lock to help preserve the actual hide to keep any, you know, bacterial growth and rotting and hair slippage to occur, which obviously we have a product for that hide lock. And then kind of the next thing on your top priority list is going to be the velvet, right? We want to make sure that we preserve that ASAP because the second that that blood circulation and the oxygen stops, tissue starts and necrosis kicks in. So, you know, once you spray that on there and you saturate it from the tips down to your point, it's an on the mountain treatment to the point where you let that sit. Let's say that I tag out first and I end up, you know, saturating the velvet with velvet lock. We're up there for another two or three days. I don't have a concern in the world about the velvet preserving or dying or whatever. It's already been treated. So to your point, by the time you get it down the mountain and drop it off at the taxidermist, you've essentially done that full part of his job for him. And we've had incredible results and taxidermists are beyond thrilled the fact that their turnaround time and their ability to get animals in and out is no longer dependent on a freeze dryer or formaldehyde or whatever it is. By the time you get that buck or bull of a lifetime to your taxidermist, the velvet's already treated. It's already done. That, I don't know, for me, like thinking about it as we're talking, right? And I and I know a bit about it. And, but now with hide lock, right? I'm like, man, so you got, you, you treat your antlers, you treat your hide. And now, you know, well, not now, but with the velvet clean, right? That's for the mounts. I mean, you are, without sounding too freaking cliche or like blowing smoke up your asses, <laughs> you are really serving the memory of that animal, right? The That is absolutely the best you can do in terms of preserving that animal for what you saw it as on the mountain with those three products. I mean, that's, when you look at it in that, perspective right that's a huge thing man because that's a lot of what we say as 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 hunters right and it goes back to what you were saying aj about you know handling uh, excuse me your meat first right that's our that's our priority because that's our mission right to fill that freezer but it's also a respect thing we don't want to waste anything um once you step away from that and you look at preserving that memory even further and that animal even further these three products are flipping phenomenal for that Yeah, absolutely. You know, guy, and, and to your point, you, you kind of hit a kind of hit the head right there where you said, you know, kind of preserving it in the memory in which we took it. You know, it's really interesting. We get a lot of inquiry through our website and through Instagram and via phone where people say, hey, you know, I shot this buck. It was right at the end of velvet season. He took a tumble down the mountain. Velvet kind of peeled off like a banana peel and is hanging from his head. We like to call it, you know, a, a, a Medusa, if you will, right? You got all the velvet kind of hanging down, looks like dreadlocks. And people always ask, hey, you know, what will velvet lock do? And the answer to that is exactly what you think it is. That's going to preserve that velvet exactly how it was on the mountain. So if you've got, you know, strips of velvet that are hanging down off your buck or bull, you apply velvet lock, they will lock in like that for the rest of your life. That uh, ass, I can't remember. I was I was gonna thumb through right now, but somebody had posted posted a buck, and that buck was pretty much shredded. Right, it had like maybe the top two thirds. The buck had already shredded most of its uh, most of its velvet, and they posted with the velvet lock. And it, I mean, it was like one of the coolest preservations, if you will, that I've seen with the antlers, you know, the antlers sticking up and you can still see that little blood red and they had the the velvet just dried. And now is it drying it or is it curing it? How does that, how does that look with the Vovalock? 
I'll let you take that one, Daryl. It's actually a, it's actually, it actually is a curing process. Um, it's somewhat of a drying process, but it is more of a curing process. I would, some people have asked us, is it, does it tan the actual, and no, it's not a tanning solution, but it is a curing process for sure, which anytime you cure anything, you take the moisture and you take the bacteria out of that product. And that is part of the curing process. And that's where, you know, I go back to, I'll jump back to that formaldehyde for a second. You know, when guys inject formaldehyde, and, and I would explain this to people, like they inject down a vein line, right? They, that's what these taxidermists always talk about. You got to hit the main vein with that formaldehyde. And it pushes the blood out of the antler from behind the membrane, but, but it only pushes it out on that vein line. So if there's two vein lines per antler, what happens to the inch and a half of antler between each vein line? right? It essentially cures on its own. And if it cures on its own versus a piece of vein line that's been cured with a product, eventually down the line, you'll have cracking at that point because it's essentially like curing concrete against wood, right? They're two different cured processes. That's where Velvelock is creating a cure on the entire surface and interior of that membrane that's under the velvet so it's curing it all at the same time all in one process versus two separate drying or curing processes like injection so that that's where velvet prevails on the other processes so typically right when we're seeing bucks and velvet it's it's you know that early season stuff so what what are the like the the temperature extremes if someone's curious right and you guys know my early season is you know 110 to 115 typically um in that range where you know where do we see you know maybe that top range or that bottom range in terms of of temperature is that an issue you know, Velvelock, it, it really, really acts the best in the warmer temperatures. Um, and actually the sun is a catalyst for it to, to react and it actually liquefies the blood and, and the blood will drain out the bases or at some points it'll actually pull out through the hair follicles, the blood will. Um, so obviously the warmer, the better. People don't need to be afraid of keeping it in the sun. The sun's not going to hurt it once the Velvelock's applied. And, uh, you know, down to, I like to tell people if it gets down below, you know, 70 degrees, I wouldn't like them to store it at 70 degrees. Try to keep it warmer temperatures. The warmer, the better for the Velvelock to work. Okay. So let's talk about hide lock, right? Um, so we got, you know, we're caped out, meat's taken care of. We sprayed the antlers down and in comes the new product. How's the process look? Are we spraying the hair side, the the inside? How does that work? We're we're gonna spray the inside. Try to we need to try to get all as much meat and fat off of it as possible, so that the hide lock actually touches the actual membrane of the hide itself. Want to saturate that hide all the inside. If you're actually caping the animal out which a lot of guys do on a mountain because they don't want to carry a head off the mountain because it's too heavy for them. You'll spray the inside of that. And then inside of any type of cavity, right? Inside the nose, eyelids, inside the ears, outside the ears, anywhere that you think that you may lose some hair or some 
sort of rot can start happening. You need to apply it at any of those locations. And then it can be rolled up and put away and taken to the taxidermist at, as soon as you can get it there, obviously. Um, last year, I did some testing in the summertime on a white-tailed deer hide. I sprayed it down, saturated everything. And all taxidermists will tell you, you never roll up a hide with the nose and ears inside, right? Because that's always the first place that starts the rot is the face. So you never want to do that. So I did it on purpose, right? Sprayed it all down, rolled it up. I left it for 15 days in my garage at 105 degrees. And we had zero rot, zero flies, no fly eggs, no bug infestations, and no hair slippage for 15 days. <laughs> no stink. <laughs> That's the biggest, man. No I, you open up, no you know, yeah, you, you think you did your deal <laughs> and you open up that, you know, that contractor bag or wherever you put it, you're like, oh my God, I ruined it. Yeah, you know, and, and that's a, that sinking in your stomach feeling, right? I mean, oh, you're like, man. oh, yeah. At that point, you know you've messed up, and you know things are going to go south from here, right? So this is another problem we've re- alleviated in the field that this isn't going to happen to you anymore. And a lot of, I mean, the, you know, there's been those times where I'll have the, you know, 25 pounds of, of salt, um, you know, so I can rub that on the inside. Um, of that hide to help dry it out. So you're talking, you know, I mean, if you could find a 25 pound bag, most of the bags I found are 50 pound bags. What's in terms of, you know, how much are we using for call it, you know, a, 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 a muley buck? A muley buck, you need to take a 12 ounce bottle on the mountain with you. That's so it. that's 12 it. ounces. <laughs> All you got to carry anymore. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, so, how does that look, man? And I and I kind of brought it up, right? Because to me, there's like this mad scientist. I mean, how many choking sessions do you have as you're mixing these compounds or exploring these compounds to find, you know, that that blend of whatever it is um, to make this stuff viable in its use? You know, all in all, guys, taking a lot of time to get all this stuff put together. You know, it's funny because people go, "Are you a scientist?" I said, "Yeah." Say no. I just, I like to try to do research and try to make things that work for the everyday person in a non-toxic way, right? I want guys to be able to take this and let their seven-year-old son that's with them packing, hand them a bottle of Hydelock and say, hey, spray that hide down or, hey, go go spray those antlers, right? Because if you're hunting with your kids, you can't give them a needle and a bottle of formaldehyde and say, go take care of them antlers. Right. I mean, so this is, this is where we bring our families into it. Families can help do this stuff. Families can learn how to take care of hides. Families can learn how to take care of antlers. And that's, that's, that's the other positive of this whole thing. You know, guys, to uh, take that one step further, you know, what's interesting is if we really dig back and peel back the layers here, Daryl and I, you know, sincerely started this in 2011. And I remember some of our initial conversations and I'm sure Daryl remembers this. He was calling Idaho fishing game at the time. I was calling Colorado fishing game and fishing wildlife and asking for, you know, any roadkill they find so we can test it. We were reaching out to friends and family, big, small, as far as, you know, the, the size of antler, it didn't matter if it had velvet tissue on it. We were trying to get our hands on it to the fact where, you know, I still have, one of the initial pieces that we treated with Velvalock 
it was a small little four by four that got hit. One side of the antler got broken off and ran over. And as you guys that hunt in August know, tissue is so soft that when that velvet antler got ran over, all the cartilage and tissue and everything got pushed out. I still have that top two section of that buck that we cured with Velvalock. And I think that really was kind of the catalyst point that we realized that that deer was, you know, hit right around July 15th and Velvalock cured that in less than 72 hours in the heat. So we, we kind of talked about the Velvalock and the taxidermist process. So how does the hide lock look when we, we put it into that world, right? So we've treated our antlers. Great. We've taken that step away. Um, now we've treated the hide. How does that, have we, have we seen the effects on, you know, tanning and, and doing those, uh, doing those things in the hide? How is it working in the process of uh, the taxidermist realm? So it's funny you should mention that. <laughs> so just this last week I took, I had a raccoon in my freezer and I took that raccoon out and I split him in half from nose to tail. I sprayed half of him with velvet or hide lock. I sprayed half of him and I didn't do anything with the other half, just left it as is. I rolled them both up and put them on a table in my garage. Mind you, it's been 80 degrees in Idaho for the last couple of weeks. And I left him for five days until I couldn't stand the stink anymore of the one that I didn't do anything to. So <laughs> the one that's stinking really, really bad. So I unrolled them both to see the one that's stinking really bad. The hair's falling out coming out really bad. Um, the high lock one, no smell, no bugs, same thing, no hair slippage. Those two are at the tannery as we speak. So in the next few days here, we're going to find out exactly what tannery world does to that process. That'll be, I'll that'll be an answer. <laughs> yeah, that'll actually, we'll have to, yeah, I'll have to, uh, We'll have to talk about that and at least do a follow-up post or something um, yes, about, about that. You know what I mean? Because that I think that's yep. that'd be a big deal to have that. And like I said, man, when mm-hmm. I when I start thinking about you know the the three products um, and preserving that and respecting that animal, that's a big deal, man. And if it if it has the same effect in the tax process as the Velvalock has had, man, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be even bigger. Um, right. So then we have VelvaClean, uh, which is, well, because I haven't used my Velva lock. <laughs> but the uh, VelvaClean, man, I, I absolutely love that stuff. I mean, it, the, the, the life it brings back to your mounts. You know, I had a couple when you guys sent me, and I had a couple mounts that are sitting on the wall in there. Shoot, must see, my boy is 19. Those things are 15 plus years old. And, uh, Man, it just, it was like a breath of life cleaning those things. And the sheen comes back to the the hair. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And one of the things I noticed over time, it, it actually makes wiping them down a lot easier, right? All that dust or whatever builds up on them comes off a lot easier since I started using it. And it just keeps those mounts looking at, fresh. Man. Yeah, it keeps those mounts looking beautiful on the wall. My wife loves it. She didn't have to, you know, yell at me about cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, then too, guy, I think people get, you get a little more enjoyment out of cleaning your mounts. I mean, cause I know myself cleaning mounts sometimes is it's a tough task because they get almost get a greasy film on the outside of the hairs that, that just is 
hard to clean. And that's where that, that velvet clean comes in and, and dissolves that and breaks it down to where it's just a wipeable surface then. And it just cleans right off. And that's, it takes the cleaning process down to being simple again. Yeah. I mean, it's it literally, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe for a buck, it would take me to really good at clean. I don't know, call it 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Now it's literally pull them off, come out in the garage and I don't have to do it that way. I just do it that way, but spray them down, run the brush through, wipe them off, run the brush through again to get those hairs right. And they're back on the wall. I mean, in literally minutes, actually I did a YouTube video of it. So you go to my YouTube channel and you could actually watch how fast I clean my mounts with that stuff. Um, again, not blowing smoke. The stuff is, is the products that I've used have been legit. You know, guys, and then to, 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 to further add to that, you know, the, the, the products that we've developed are really the, the goal here was not to make money. It was not to be something that we ever set out. It was Daryl and I trying to figure out, you know, how do we make our lives easier and how do we do this? And I will tell you, Velva clean is another one of those where, you guys hit on a couple of key points, but I will, will further add to that. And the fact that the compounds that are in there that are 100% safe, they actually break down that oil tissue that Daryl's talking about that is secreted through any sebaceous gland, whether it be hair, or, you know, whatever it is, especially in your birds and some of your more, what I'll call, you know, th those animals that hold that fat a little more, whether it's in a quill or a hair, or whatever you want to call it. But one thing I want to point out is aside from how user-friendly it is, how it brings kind of a breath of fresh air to all of your mounts the bigger and in my opinion the more impressive aspect is it has a natural bug repellent in there that keeps all of those bugs off of your mount right so anyone that's had mounts in their house for any period of time especially if they're up on a wall kind of you know not at eye level they get cobwebs they get spiders in them they get mites you know they, they get moths they get whatever these little you know, these insects that come in and can do infestation. And that's typically what we see after a tanning process has occurred. That's typically what will create hair loss, right? Is moth or, you know, weevils or whatever getting in there. And so I just want to call attention to the fact that I would say one of the most impressive properties of the velvet clean, aside from the, the, the look and the luster and the smell that it brings to your taxidermy is truly the fact that it repels bugs so that you don't ever have to worry about the time and the money you invested in that mount being jeopardized mm -hmm. i even yeah and then you brought something else right because we will get stuck on talking you know bucks or elk um but we didn't even talk about you know waterfowl or you know fowl in general right it's it it can be used on on our feathered friends as well absolutely this product can be used on anything that's been taxidermied i have a good friend that's an avid bear and cat hunter he uses it on his rugs. He uses it on his mounts. You know, you can do it. You literally, we, we showcase this at the Sportsman's Expo in Salt Lake City. You can spray this on the glass eye on something that has been, you know, airbrushed and painted. You can put it on a hard antler. You can put it on a velvet antler. You can put it on a, you know, a duck or a goose or whatever it is. And it literally just re revives the actual taxidermy, gets rid of the oils and the dust and protects against bugs. And we have... Velva scrub. Give us Velva give us, scrub is yeah. the one that's it's really actually amazing and and it's really I think overlooked in in our industry. Um, I know guy, you're a big pack backpacker and and a lot of guys are right. So when you kill a deer and you get your backpack home, it's covered with blood, right? 
your your bags are covered with blood. Everything has blood on it. It's, it's terrible. This product, you literally can spray it on any surface, and within 15 minutes, it will break down the proteins in the blood, and it can be simply washed away with a hose or in the washer dryer. Um, we had a, actually, it's called a guy by the name Windy Ridge Tanning in Canada, one of the very, very large tanneries in Canada, used it on a mountain goat that they had there that tumbled down a mountain. He asked me, hey, will this blood remover take this blood out of this mountain goat? This thing is a, he is a mess. He had dirt, he had blood, he broke, an, broke a horn, he was in bad shape. We sent him a bottle of our scrub. He sprayed it on there. He messaged us back. He said, this is the most amazing blood remover I've ever seen. He said, I've never been able to get blood out of a white animal like a mountain goat like this stuff has. And this is one of the most beautiful mounts we've ever put out after we used your guys' Velva Scrub product. So that's, I mean, let's talk about that a little more, right? Because the process, I mean, not just on, you know, a white animal with, with you know, fur that is as long as a mountain goat, but even on our deer and stuff, right? Where, where you know, we hit them, we impact them, um, that blood is there. And they literally have to clean off individual hairs to remove all that blood in most instances, right? And this is facilitating not having to do that. Right. You know, and it's really important on, let's say, let's say a stone sheep, right? Stone sheep has gray and white in their hair. Stone sheep capes are invaluable. When you draw a stone sheep tag, if you ruin that hide, you're not getting another one, right? So they can't bleach it because you'll bleach it and you'll turn the gray white. You can't, there's no way to get the blood out of the white part of it. No way to get blood out of the gray part of it without discoloring the other hair on a stone sheet. <laughs> that velvet scrub product will take care of all the blood in those discolored animals. Antelope, all those ones that they cannot bleach mule deer, any of those that they can't bleach, that blood remover will take that blood out of there forever and you never have to worry about it again. So is that process the same, right? Is just spray it on and, and give it a wipe down or using a brush or anything like that? Usually you're going to wash everything, you know, when it's got blood in it, you'll spray it down. You know, if you spray it down before it gets to the taxidermist, they're going to be grateful because you know your animal going from your place to the taxidermist has been treated for the blood already. And the taxidermist, when he sends it through his process, it's going to wash all that blood out. Okay, so how does that work, right? So say, you know, I got the blood and I treated my animal with hide lock and uh, I got the velvet scrub, you know, at home or in the truck, whatever. And I said, man, I want to get this blood out too. And I and I hit it with some of the velvet scrub. Is there any adverse effect to doing that, um, you know, with the hide lock being on the hide? Or have you guys tested that aspect of it yet? Nope. There's, there's no interaction in the two. So if you spray that on the hair side, leave it alone. When the taxidermist gets it, that velvet scrub has already broke the proteins down. They're broken down and they'll just wash away at that point. And then going back to it, um, my game bags, man. So that's one of the things like I'm, I'm super anal, right? And not all game bags are created equal. Um, I take meat care as, as most guys do pretty seriously. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend a little extra on my bags and, you know, I'm not going to pillowcase it. 
Um, not to say that's a, a bad method, but with the money that I spent, I want to get the longest lifespan I can, but I'm very anal about using bleach on them. And I'm not sure why the ones I use, they say, Hey, they're bleach safe. You can, you know, soak them in bleach to get that blood out or whatever. Um, but, it, but even bleaching them, you'll, you'll still end up with those discolorations in those spots. I'm just anal. Um, and the velvet scrub will basically make those appear new to me, my anal eye, I guess, for the lack of a better phrase. Right. And, you know, <laughs> and you gotta, re, you gotta remember too, that bleach is actually a, it's an agent that breaks down tissues in, in bags and they're going to not, they're going to break down sooner than you want them to by using bleach because it's such a corrosive product, right? As to where the, the velvet scrub is not a corrosive product. It's natural product and it's not going to break down the materials in your game bag. So therefore they're going to last you longer as well. And that's the game, right? Is, is longevity in our gear. I mean, we spend a ton of money anyway and at least for me, right? My justification and my expenditures is how many uses can I get or how many seasons of use can I get out of them? So if I'm spending, right. you know, a hundred bucks on game bags, I want four, five, six seasons out, out of those bags to justify that cost and, and break it down, you know, break that, that expenditure down over, you know, those seasons. Um, and I've been successful right. in doing that. And this, this will add that longevity, staying away from something corrosive like bleach. Right. You know, and a lot of that too is your backpack. I mean, I, I, I mean, you spend, I, I know guys that spend up to a thousand dollars on a backpack and blood, blood is an acid. It's acidic. It's horrible for fibers in backpacks. So by using the velvet scrub, you can take all of those proteins and acids and garbage that's actually in blood that we don't really realize is there we take for granted right you take it for granted when your pack sits in your garage and you go out there and go man what's that smell in my garage oh i didn't get all the blood out of my backpack and it stinks and it's rotten right the velvet scrub takes care of that ahead of time before you ever put it away you soak it down with that scrub it because it, it may be just a few drops of blood but it eats buckles it eats the fabrics that are holding those buckles on it's just blood is it's a it's it's a nasty bugger too so we got to get it out of our equipment and make sure like you said the longevity it's there yeah you know one of the things i noticed and it, not on my pack that i have this was a different pack and that blood being on there and i and what i noticed and i always related it to like maybe there was some fat or something but it it the areas that it that i didn't get clean enough it was almost uh almost want to say it was like like greasy to the touch, if you will. Um, it was just really weird. It almost seemed like the the fabric, the fibers had expanded because of those areas. It was the strangest thing. And I don't know if that was because of the material. And it's and it was a good pack for all intents and purposes, but that it was just really weird to see it react to the blood that way. Right. So, you know, I would oh, say, you know, obviously I'm, I'm an advocate for all the Antler products, right? I mean, I'm a co-founder and co-owner of the company. And I'll tell you, this is probably one of the products I'm most excited about. And the reason being is for exactly what you're saying. Those of us that are avid hunters, we spend a lot of money on boots and packs and gaiters and camo and everything in between. Right. And so for me, it's, it's a lot of the aftercare. You, know, you have your immediate concerns on the mountain you take care of your meat, your hide, your velvet. 
or, you know, let's say you're not hunting velvet, your meat and your hide, getting it off the mountain. You know, kind of a, a lot of people's afterthought is how am I going to take care of this expensive gear that I purchased? So for me, you know, I, I have a lot of personal experience with this product. You know, we tested this heavily. We tested it on, on, you know, everything from jeans to boots to packs to game bags and everything in between. And I will tell you, you know, kind of a personal testament story is I have, for, for those of you that know me, I have, you know, a wife and three beautiful kids and I have two young twins and well, they spilled a carrot juice smoothie on my brand new carpet. It's like a light grayish color. My love, my wife, bless her heart, tried everything you could get over the counter. As far as carpet cleaners, we rented a carpet cleaner. We did everything. There was always a big orange ring. We just never would come out of that. So I told her as a last resort, you know, kind of like, Hey, let's test the product. We pulled out the velvet antler and we sprayed it on there. I let it sit for 15 minutes and shampooed it and it is completely gone. You know, so to, I, I guess the point I'm making here is we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about blood. This product will break down any naturally occurring protein. So that could be grass stains. It could be feces. It could be urine. It could be blood. It could be anything in between. What it does is it's enzymatic, right? So it goes in there and with the enzymes that are built into the process in the, in the product, it breaks down the molecular tissue of that the point where you can very easily, it becomes a soluble liquid where you can wash it away or vacuum it away or whatever it is. So, okay. So, and now how does that work? Right. Cause we say it's, you know, there's no toxicity to it and, but it's breaking down these proteins. And if we're, you know, if we're spraying it and it's getting on our hands or, you know, getting in our face, Daryl likes to drink it at the trade shows. How, how is that? How, where's the difference? <laughs> where's the difference there, right? In terms of it not breaking the, you know, breaking down or, or affecting us in terms of our, our, you know, our skin, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So again, it's a naturally, it's a naturally found and common occurring enzyme. So what it does, and to Daryl's point, you can rub it on your skin. You know, whenever I do my pack, I'll kind of spray it on there. It's a little gelatinous in texture, if you will. So I'll spray it on there. I'll rub it with either my hand or, you know, a toothbrush or a light brush, like one of the brushes that we, we, you know, kind of distribute with one of our products and I'll lightly brush it. Again, it's a common naturally occurring enzyme that will actually break down that tissue. So there's no harsh chemicals. There's nothing of the sort in our product. Oh, I'm, Cause I'm sure somebody's going to want to, you know, put that two and two together there. Um, so Daryl, man, I, you know, we had talked briefly, uh, before this episode and, and then AJ and I started in on it, man. So, um, that's going to be a full-time gig for you here, man. And you got a, sounds like a, a nationwide tour, um, in the works with it, man. Yeah. So starting around August, probably it'll be the second week in August by the time I'm ready to go. Um, I'm going to start traveling the country. I'm going to have a display set up in a trailer, the backside of a toy hauler, and I'm going to be traveling the country. So if there's anybody out there that's curious about our products, wants to see them, wants to see velvet in person, I will have a couple of deer in the, in the display that will be, one will be over 15 years old, the velvet, and one will be 10 years old. They will be in there with us. Um, We'll have a very, very early season bull elk that was a roadkill bull elk that is very, very bulbous, very, very blood filled. 
elk that we cured with our Velvelock product. Um, we'll have everything in the trailer for everybody to see and put their hands on and, and take a look at and ask questions. Man, you better be around Southern California in August, man. We'll have, uh, you know, that's when our A zone kicks off here. And I mean, you're talking a third, you know, a third of the state, just under a third of the state, maybe, but, you know, north of the Bay Area, all the way down to the LA County, Ventura County uh, border from the five freeway to the coast, man. And for pretty much that entire season, those bucks are in velvet. And last year was. So, if, so if, that's where. That- that's where I'm kind of taking invitations right now. If, if people want to see us, they want to see where we're, where we're headed and, and, and want to see us in their area at a certain time. I'm all about taking in, say, Hey, come and see me, come see me at this time of year. I'm ready to do that. I'm going to try to start building a schedule for travel and it's just going to be me for right now traveling. I may bring AJ once in a while when he can get away and both of us can do some talking, but, um, I'm all open to to taking offers to travel to places to show people what we have. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm sure that the uh, taxidermists on this side of the, this side of the world will uh, appreciate that. You just got to meander through our traffic with that trailer, buddy. <laughs> it's it's back. Yeah. No, guy. I was going to elaborate on that as well and say, you know, it's it, that 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 invitation stands for everyone, right? Whether you're a a local sporting good company that's interested in carrying the product. If you're a, a you know a large scale taxidermist, a part time taxidermist, if you're a guide or you own a guiding service, really you know our goal here, as Daryl mentioned, is we're you know we we were very deliberate in how we're going to approach this. Right, we we got a our a toy hauler so that Daryl can literally travel the country and be where he needs to be to be there for our customers and our clients. So for us, it's, it's extremely valuable. You know, one of the biggest, I would say, and Daryl, you can agree or disagree with this, but I think one of our biggest hurdles when we started this was everyone was interested in the product and everyone thought it was too good to be true. And so for us, I think, you know, our, the way that we really articulate and people really see and believe and, and, and put trust in us is they get to see the product, right? They get to hold it. They get to look at it. They get to touch this really cool, non-typical velvet bowl and these deer that were done 15 plus years ago. They get to smell them. They get to touch them. You know, they, they get to, they get to see what the product actually does. And I think in my opinion, that's the most impactful thing. And I tell you what, man, I've, I've been right there with those bucks, man, at Utah. And that's some nice freaking deer, man. And you, and honestly, you look at them and, it, and, and you've heard everything, right? <clears throat> All the little things that people do to try and, you know, make it look like velvet I and mean, coffee grounds and dying and things like that. But to actually see these bucks and Daryl, you know, point at it and say, that's, you know, X amount of years old. And this one's X amount of years old. And you look at that velvet and it's just, again, it's just amazing, man, that, uh, you know, we're, we're just mixing, we're in the, the velvet antler technologies, uh, meth lab <laughs> of sorts cooking up chemicals man it's uh it, it's just always been impressive to me from our first conversation learning about it and when we initially talked man to to think about that process and you know and and for me it, it's that's a great thing right you were solving you were solving your problem like like aj said right and and i think that's where there's there's real value and and heart in it is when you're solving your own problem and when you're able to do that and then branch it out and and start you know start looking at the business realm with it man you you know that there's 
there's effort in it, right? It's not a gimmick. It's not something that's just, you know, fly by night. This is years and years of process and solving your own problem. That's the best, man. I love it. And then, right. So you got, you know, and it's funny oh, because sorry. I have some, I have so many people that tell us, you know, Hey, it's too good to be true. And actually I just want to tell this quick story. There was a guy in Pennsylvania as a taxidermist there. And, and it's funny because everybody associates velvet with, you know, the Western United States. Right. And, and I believe about 60% of our sales actually come from the Midwest and the East. It, you'd be surprised. But that being said, there's a lot of guys over there that do velvet that are off of ranches. And I know a lot of people don't agree with the ranches. I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying one way or the other day, whether they're, whether they're good, bad or indifferent, right? This guy asked us, he said, you know, we pressure wash all of our velvet off of these antlers all the time, because when you have a 350, 360 inch white tail deer with 67 scorable points, there's no way to preserve that velvet with injecting formaldehyde, right? And, and a freeze dryer costs anywhere from 700 to a thousand dollars to freeze dry a set of antlers that big. He said, so it's easier for us to pressure wash all that velvet off and then we'll reapply fake velvet. And that I, I just got sick to my stomach. I said, let me tell you, so I said, I want to work with you guys. We complimented them, sent them complimentary, some velvet lock to try on a deer. And the guy said, I'm really skeptical. I just don't see it working. <laughs> But I told him how to do it, gave him all the instructions, walked him through the process. He called me back seven days later. He had fully cured a 346 inch ranch whitetail that was killed early season. He said the bone was still soft. You could bend the antlers when he applied this Velvolock. It hardened the bone, it cured the velvet. And he said, I will never do anything other than Velvolock from here on out. So it's stories like that that to take you back to where we really want to be right that we're doing this for the guy it's not about the money right we're doing this for the guy that actually says man this really works this is really amazing what you guys have done so and it's great for his clients now and it's great for us and i just i just want to keep doing more so something you know one thing that we didn't really touch on right and and i think it's important um is if you look at the size of antler right and the velvet lock um you know there is there is a limit to what a bottle you know can do so if we're talking you know a, a 300 inch that doesn't even sound right 300 inch white tail <laughs> um versus you know like a 150 or a 140 or, or versus you know that that um early season bull that someone got in uh in velvet what are we talking in terms of you know how much to use you know we all we always tell people that you know 180 lineal inches of antler is what 12 ounces will take care of you know and that always goes to say that depends on the mass too i mean if you have a a buck that's really really super massive you know you might be a 170 type buck if he has a ton, a ton of mass, but we found that generally 180 inches is what 12 ounces will take care of. And then the head hauler, right? Which, uh, when I think I want to say that was what, maybe last June or July that, uh, you guys come out with a head hauler. 
Yeah, it was actually June. It's kind of, I have kind of a funny story behind that too. I broke my back last January and I was sitting at home and I'm, I have nothing to do. Right. Cause I have screws in my back and I'm stuck on the couch. So for four months I had nothing to do but scroll through pictures and I see all these people packing out deer and stuff. I mean, everybody's posting their pictures from the fall and all these deer I see and elk and moose with ropes all tied to their antlers and pulled down to their backpack so that they can carry them out without falling off the backpack. Right. I mean, you've probably done it guy where you pack animal out and you get halfway back to the truck and the head's falling off of the backpack and it just doesn't work tying them down. So I, in my infinite wisdom here again, <laughs> I got my wife's sewing machine out and I said, I got to figure something out to build this thing. And I called AJ. I said, Hey, I'm thinking about building this thing. He goes, you're what? I said, I'm thinking about building this thing. I, I'm going to send you, I'll show you what I'm going to build. So I built, I don't know, three or four of them and got them built to kind of where we thought. And I sent it to AJ and he had some pointers back and forth. We kind of went back and forth between what we wanted to build. And we actually sent it to John Tilby over at Horn Hunter Backpacks. And he said, man, that's a great idea. That, that thing's going to work. He's let me send you some prototypes. So he sends us back some prototypes and between AJ and I, we kind of picked where we wanted to go with it and where we wanted straps and how we wanted to do it. And we built this thing. So, you know, going back to taxidermists, right? We've had a lot of communication with taxidermists and taxidermists say one of the worst things people can do is put a rope or a strap over the nose of a deer or an elk because it rubs the cartilage down and it pushes into it and it'll make a forever dent in the hide on the nose and they're really hard to get out. So that being said, we decided we're going to put some padding in there and we're not going to have anything that presses on the nose, anything of that nature. So that it goes here again, we're looking at guys trophies, right? So it goes to the taxidermist pristine as a perfect trophy, the way they've seen it on the mountain, not with a crease in his nose, not with rotten hide. <laughs> so getting the input from everybody and building that, how we built it, it really works well. You can put that head hauler. You could put a six point bull elk on a backpack with the horns in the air, as high as you can get them and cinch it down with that head hauler. And that thing will not move on a backpack once it's locked in. Now, how, how many packs, right? Cause packs are, are, I mean, none are really made the same. Um, different frames, things like that. So how does it, how does it attach? And then how many packs have you seen it on with that, uh, with that effect? So I've seen it on right now. I've seen it already on seven different style of packs. Um, anywhere that there is a, a buckle or a strap attached to a backpack, there has to be a loop that they attach that with. Correct. So we created this to where there's just a carabiner that'll slip through that same loop and then you can cinch it down from there. So it's adaptable to any backpack that has loops. I mean, all backpacks nowadays are built with loops and tie downs and what have you on them. So anywhere there's a loop or there's a area to hook it, even a metal frame, the carabiner will clip around the metal frame and you can cinch it down from there and tighten it down on any backpack. It's adaptable to any pack. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, I told you when we talked about it, I actually, you know, with Western Fly had the, a similar idea um, and I kind of left it alone after we talked because um, you guys were already, you know, moving forward. I was like, well, dang it. <laughs> so it's a damn good idea. <laughs> damn good idea, Daryl. 
but you know, guy, and I think <laughs> it, it's important to point out as well that you know Daryl touched on all the aspects of a pack, but it's not just for a pack, right? You could strap it to a horse, you could strap it to a saddle, you could strap it to a four wheeler, a side by side, or whatever it is. Any place that has anything, you can either clip those carabiners to, or go around something and clip it to the strap itself. This head hauler will work. Again, you know, going back to what we've said a few times, but every one of these products is solving a problem and ultimately is to get however you see that mount, right? Um, But to preserve that memory as you saw it when, you know, you you killed or harvest, whatever whatever words you want to say there, right? Um, But to preserve it exactly how you remember it. I mean, each and every one of these products gets you to the same point, man. And I think that's huge. Uh, If, you know, again, you look at it in that perspective, man, that's a big freaking deal, boys. Yes, sir. You know, and I think, Guy, kind of one last thing that I want to point on is, you know, we spent a lot of times talking about, a lot of the time tonight talking about product and kind of where we are, what have we released, where are we going with the product? You know, I think Carol mentioned it, and I believe I mentioned it as well, is, you know, this was not built out of a need to make money. This was built out of Daryl and I having full-time jobs with a passion for hunting. It was built for your every guy, every girl, you know, whoever wants to hunt. But I will tell you, as this thing starts to evolve, we're solving problems. And I think what Daryl and I are most passionate about is the customer service aspect. We get calls and texts, Instagram messages, you know, website messages from people just wanting to talk and understand the product. And I would say, you know, I think that's one thing that we take a lot of pride in. If you want to get in touch with Daryl and I, you will get in touch with us. We return calls, we return emails, we talk on Instagram constantly with people that have questions because questions are natural, right? These are products that people have most likely never seen before. There's some skepticism behind it. There's some questions. There's some, hey, I want to make sure, you know, I shot my first buck. It doesn't matter if it's 200 or 20 inches. I shot my first buck. I want to make sure that I know how to preserve this thing and do it right without damaging it or, you know, risking losing the velvet. And so, you know, that's one thing that Daryl and I have really taken to heart is, again, this is built for your everyday hunter. While we are in, you know, big companies like Matuska Taxidermy, you know, we're in, you know, specific suppliers all across the country or dealers, if you will. Our thing is customer service. Really, we want to be here for any guy, girl, whoever wants to call and, you know, really talk about the product and understand it. That's kind of our passion. That's, you know, we like to talk to people and we like to talk about the product and share that passion. Because again, it's not about the money for us. It's about solving a problem for anyone that spends time in the mountains, taxidermy studio or whatever it would be to make sure that we can make your life easier and more enjoyable and less stressful. So with that, why don't you drop where folks can find you? How do they get a hold of you? And then where can they take a look at the products? So we are available on the internet, velvetantlertechnologies.com. We are available via Instagram, Velvet Antler Technologies. We are available via Facebook, Velvet Antler Technologies, and are currently in the process of launching and updating our YouTube, which will also be Velvet Antler Technologies. If you are a taxidermist and interested in buying product in bulk or you want to try the product, you can order it directly from us via the website or Matuska Taxidermy carries the product. And there are a plethora of dealers all across the country that carry our product as well. And those, those will be list, listed on our website based on location. 
And to add to, to add to that, we have a uh, an exclusive distributor in Hawaii. We get a lot of orders coming in from Hawaii for the Axis deer, and his, it's Kua Hiwi Outdoors. Really good guy, really good service. He'll get bottles out to people very, very quickly, and we like people to try to utilize him if possible out there in Hawaii. Just makes everything simpler for everyone. Man, when are we going on a a, a VAT access hunt, man? Thanks for the invite. Let's go, Daryl. Great, <laughs> buddy. Yeah. I, I, I just I just got invited the other day, so hang tight, brother. <laughs> my, you know, my daughter. Hey, you know, uh, oh, sorry. Go. I was gonna say, I think your daughter Taylor is in Hawaii, right? Yeah. Well, she she was over there, right? And she was like, you know, Dad, come visit. I don't like that tropical stuff. And I told my wife, look, I'm willing to go, but I get, you know, I get at least four days of hunting over there, and there you, you know. In comes coronavirus, right? So she's up in Washington oh. now. Hawaii was hit so hard, man. It was, it was uh, horrible to see, right? That was her dream since she was, man. 14, 15 years old was to graduate school and move to Hawaii and start her life over there. And Corona hit that island so bad with the shutdowns. I mean, she, uh, they lasted for about seven months. Uh, I got tired of paying all the bills. <laughs> so, so, uh, she's up in Washington now, but I'm sure, you know, she'll be in Washington for a while, but at some point she'll get back over there. So yeah, Daryl, you're my only hope right now, buddy. Yeah. So, and then just so you know, too, in supposed to be in, uh, let's see, September 4th, I will be in Kentucky do filming a hunt for outdoors in the bluegrass through Velvet Antler Technologies, a whitetail hunt. So that'll be on Roku TV and some other TV channels. Ooh. All right, boys. Well, it was good catching up, man. I want to, you know, get this episode locked down while we had uh, the high lock, you know, about the drop. When When is the high lock available? Didn't ask that. Fingers crossed it should be available by June 1. Oh, shoot. Okay. We're right down the – so it's before season. I mean, I think, I think California has the earliest deer season in the nation, so – will be uh plenty of time yeah for they start it. july something don't they, they yeah some july hunts there yeah man that's that's yeah. that a zone and actually i think this year it's starting well, they actually screwed us on the uh archery season this year it's only three weeks and typically it's five weeks so that was kind of a bummer uh, i know my you know my hunt uh area is uh it's a rough hunt man but i love every minute of those five weeks so it's uh it sucks to see that shorten up but just mean we have to get in yeah, there and we, try we and get one earlier. Uh, we will be, you know, putting out information as the product comes available. So we're shooting for the first, but I will tell you that we will be putting on Instagram as well as Facebook. We will be broadcasting when it will be available and it will be available through our dealers as well as on our website. And for those of you that follow us on Instagram, Keep doing so because we've got some pretty killer giveaways that we're going to continue. You guys probably saw we did a you know a guess the score on a on a big non typical muley. We did a a very nice spotting scope giveaway with some other goodies with phone scope, and we've got a new PSE Pro Bow and some optics from Athlon Optics and some Magnus broadheads coming your way. And some 
And some stuff from Western Fly. Yeah. Gotta, as a matter of fact, I got to get that. And uh, some stuff from your man guy. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's an interesting thing, man. You know, teaching yourself. I, I totally can relate to Daryl's thing with grabbing that sewing machine. Although my wife didn't have one, so I had to buy one. But, yeah, teaching yourself to sew is something else. <laughs> it's actually a pretty cool skill I've to have. Sewing. I've been sewing for a long time. My wife my wife always teases me. She always tells the kids, sad that your dad knows how to sew, but I don't because I always sew stuff up for the kids. But my mom was a sew. She sewed when I was a kid, so I knew how to do it. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's actually a pretty cool, I call it a skill. I mean, it's, you know, when you start understanding the stitching and, and the different stitches and stuff, man, it's actually, uh, I see stuff now, you know, if I got a rip in my pants or something, I'm like, where's, you know, bust out the machine. I got this. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> my wife laughs. Run you up me. a zigzag up that sucker and heal it up. Yeah, man. So the wife, she had something, I think it was like a pair of her work pants. She was throwing them out and i'm like why are you throwing that she goes oh look at this the hems coming out of the bottom and i was like ah that's that's five minutes <laughs> give those to me <laughs> no doubt all right boys well shoot i appreciate all the right, time guy, guys. Well, we appreciate it very yeah. much and having the opportunity again yeah absolutely and then you know folks if you guys want go jump on my youtube um or search velvet antler technologies on the podcast um we have an episode there and then there's uh, some video of me cleaning the mounts with the uh, Velva Clean and then uh, a little in booth from the Utah Sportsman's Expo 20. What was that? 2020, boys? Yeah, that was 2020. So, yeah, yeah. check out the YouTube for that if you want to learn a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, appreciate it, guys. And we'll talk to you guys soon. So, so hey, guy, you need you don't have a head hauler yet, do you? No, I never got one. I think it got lost in the mail. I'm going to send you one. <laughs> Good deal. And you don't have any scrub yet either. Nope. You don't have scrub yet either, right? No, no. Okay. I still got I still right. got my Velva lock. I'm holding on to that, man. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers this year. That damn buck, man, he beat me. He's beat me for some years now. So, yeah. Hopefully. You need me to come out there and show you how to sneak on him? Dude, if you if you can if you can beat my approach on this group of deer, I'll I'll, I'll give you a thousand dollars. That there's man, not a deer in this world I can't get within twenty five yards of. Oh man, I think the closest I got that last season was seventy six yards. Although 76, no, I, he should have been dead. What are you doing, dude? I drew I drew back on him and didn't see the little buck that busted me, and then. I had him, I had him coming down. He was a ridge across. He was, what was that shot? It was, it was just over 80 yards. And I, and I see him following this little, this little, uh, spike coming down the draw and I'm like, oh, this is it. So I set up on right behind this bush, man. And I'm waiting for him to come down. And he's, I mean, he's in and out of the bushes, right? And he finally gets down. I range. I'm like, okay, he steps out. He's dead. Well, then that I'm looking, call it, I'm looking 12 o'clock. I'm looking east to them, 12 o'clock. He is probably about 1230 at this point. I need him to come to 1130. The little buck is over here at about, you know, 930, 10 o'clock to my left and I hear something and I look and there's three pigs coming down this old cut road and I'm going what the hell well the little buck 
he perks up, he looks in their direction. As soon as they broke around the corner, the little buck turns, bolts. I mean, he just hauls ass from these three little pigs. And he took that buck, the big buck with him, old boy, took him with him. And I never saw that buck the rest of the season, man. I was freaking pissed. And and the pigs were like 50, 60 pounders. That was the closest opportunity I had on that freaking buck man and i had him on not last year the year before i think it was i drew down on him and he was like a buck 18 and i thought i had him and uh right as i was settling in on him he decided he was gonna turn and he just gave me his ass and it was just like oh man so that guy's whooped my butt i don't think i've ever struggled on a deer so hard in my life man but he's i hope he's still alive what kind of bow do you shoot uh shooting a prime Oh, too bad. Ah. <laughs> hey man, I'm not. I, I'm not connected like you are, buddy. I. Uh, yes, you are. Uh, no. You know me. Oh shit! Well, uh, don't 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 talk about it. Be about it, as they like to say. <laughs> Any, anytime, anytime you want a deal on a bow, you pick up the bow, and I'll get you the best price you can get for PSE. All right, I'll have to shoot a couple and see. I, I shoot. I got the new Expedite this last year. They gave me the new Expedite. That thing is like a dream, and it shoots. It shoots well out to 140. Yeah, I heard. I've heard really good things about the newer the newer PSE bows. I, my buddy Drew, he shot PSE for years, um, moved away from it, and he's going. Man, I think I want to get back into PSE. He's he just loves them. And I've never, I think yep, anybody, uh, any, but any of your buddies that know you want any, let me know. I'll take care of them. Okay. Yeah. I have to, uh, might have to talk to you about that, man. You know, me and gear, I can't get, <laughs> I can't get enough of it, but shit. All right, boys. Well, everybody, velvet antler All technologies, right. AJ and Daryl, look them up on Instagram. Check it out at uh, velvet antler technologies.com signing off. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.